Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matters. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. We have uh, we have Dan back. Hey, I'm back. Oh my gosh, Dan is back. <laughs> he's back. Wow. And he's front, and he's side. And the headphones are working, and everything's working, yeah, and the mic's I'm working, here. and everything. I'm here. Yeah. We were having problems with your microphone last week. Oh, really? Yeah. Hey, so, what was that? It was uh, what we thought it was. A pet got underneath there from Dave's show, and seeing as how we don't use Dan's mic on the Motor Mouse show, well, you know, it's trial and error with your guys' show. So hmm. there it is. There we go. Yep. Motormouth never uses that mic. They never use that mic. No. Weird. Yeah, they like to use three instead of four. Interesting. So be a little closer together. I guess. Do I mean, they face the same way too? Well, they try to look at each other when they're talking and everything. I guess. So, yeah. You know, this just makes it a little easier when I yeah. sit out on the side of you the know, table. That's what they try to do too. You know, that's what you try. You have your own way of accomplishing the same goal here. There it is. <laughs> well, I mean, you really want to be right into the microphone so that it sounds quality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That way people end up saying, you know, you sound so good on the radio. <laughs> should we uh, well, Should we put uh, take Wes off of hold? I forgot about him, yeah. So he Wes, forgot about you, Wes. Well, I mean, just only for a minute right there. Wes is joining us <laughs> oh, um, man. in the studio this morning via telephone. Um, couldn't get your tractor to start this morning, huh, Burke? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm in this uh, crazy place of Santa Margaritaville, and uh, there's a backlog of tractors all the way down the freeway, so I had to opt <laughs> for the call-in today. Perfect. Well, I'm happy to hear from you. Thanks for taking the time out to call in and join us today. We'll do our best to try to, like, make it flow cohesively since it's at the very beginning of the hour. We're not quite used to that, but I understand. Well, I was trying to spare your listeners, you know, the 20 minutes of... Uh, non-relevant fodder that is the norm for your show on a Saturday morning. Wow. See, that's what warms people up for all the interesting sure, information. Sure, Wes is on the show today. Why? <laughs> yeah. Is that right a bad connection? <laughs> all right, Wes. <laughs> oh, I just love coming out swinging at you guys. It's a lot easier to do when I'm, I'm not there in the studio, you know? Yeah. Excellent. You, You've got a big reach, Jay, but not this big. Right. Hey, so I know you were you were trying to weasel your way out of being on the show today, but there's so much um, that you need to enlighten us about. We were uh, just dying to have you on here for a little bit. So what did you bring? Well, there's uh, uh, an interesting thing going on in the world of real estate right now around the, the country that I want to make uh, listeners aware of. Anybody that's involved in a real estate transaction should should know about this. So the way it goes down is um, you get into escrow and you navigate the contingencies and you get ready to close the transaction. And um, a day or two before um, the deal closes and you and you record, you will get an email from your title company with wiring instructions for 
um, your portion of the closing proceeds. And, you know, usually that's a fairly large amount of money. Even if you're getting a loan, it's, it can be, you know, between 5 and 20% of the purchase price. And sometimes if it's a cash deal, it's a heck of a lot more money. The, um, the story that I was made aware of earlier this week uh, happened to be a cash transaction to the tune of $2 million. Mm. So the buyer got these, um, this email from the title company uh, revising the previously sent wiring instruction. Uh, buyer goes down to the bank, executes this wire, and lo and behold, it's um, have been able to somehow get into the real estate agent's email accounts. They watch the transaction, they watch the emails, and when they know, based on the correspondences between the buyer and the real estate agent, that the transaction is, is about to reach culmination, then they send this uh, message off with you know, their own uh, um, receivable bank accounts, and your money is gone forever. Uh, and it's it's a it's a pretty prevalent scam that's going on right now. There's not a lot of um, easy way to detect it. Um, the, the real estate agents that have been that have fallen uh, prey to this are unaware from their end that anything fishy is going on, and the uh, correspondence is very legitimate with title company, the appropriate title company, and escrow officers names and email signatures. I mean, this thing looks 100% legitimate and, and uh, is catching a lot of unsuspecting people. So, Is this something, um, Wes, do you know how many times this has happened and is there a certain region it's happening in? No, I, the story, these horror stories that I heard were from Southern California, but I do think that it has gone on up here um, I don't, I can't remember the firsthand account, but I, uh, I'm vaguely remembering that something similar to this has gone on on the Central Coast, um, and and I do think that it's probably happening all over the country, but the stories that I've been hearing about were um, were from Southern Cal, that the $2 million deal was, was from Southern California, and by the way, that was uh, a, a couple of months ago, and those monies were never recovered. Wow. Yeah, it, that's a. Thanks for sharing the story, Wes. That's a um, kind of a great just lookout for everyone. Um, you know, I from time to time, I think everybody needs to remember how much fraud there is out there, and and how many scams and these things that exist. Um, you know, we see these ones where the IRS is supposedly calling you and wanting you to mm -hmm. pay something today, or you get these various scams of just things, and it. Uh, I, I get these ones periodically um, that'll come from the bank, yeah. supposedly, and it's an email, and it looks just like the bank mm -hmm. is emailing you. And they've got enough of your pertinent information, but the bank logos, an email address that's quite similar. So these different things that if you weren't being very careful or if you were you know, just less tech savvy, you could find yourself clicking something. And then as a rule, um, you know, it'll, it'll say, hey, click here to log into your account mm -hmm. and then in, in, you know, confirm 
from this charge or whatever, then once you click and log in, now they've captured your login information. You got a whole world of hurt coming for you. So it's really just prudent advice that if you're getting anything by way of email, pick up the phone and call the person uh, before you go entering your username and password or wiring, you know, God forbid, wiring hundreds of thousands or in this case, what, two million bucks. That's pretty crazy. I had a... a I had a thing with my dad, actually. My dad, about a year ago, he uh, answered a phone call, and um, this guy had offered to uh, send him a million dollars. And that as long as, you know, he'd won, won a million dollars. Was it like a Nigerian prince? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he'd won a million dollars as long as he cut him, uh, sent him a money order from Walmart for... Um, $2,000 or something like, or $1,000. Some processing and, yeah, fee. Yeah, some processing fee. And so he contacted me, and I I, I mean, you know, he wasn't going to do it, but um, I, I have internet access, and he doesn't. So <laughs> I went online and uh, checked, and the, the um, area code where the call came from was in Kingston, Jamaica. Yeah. And they were going to bring that. They were going to bring the money that afternoon, as long as and they personally deliver it, as long as my dad had done that. And, and he's not going to. He's bucks. not going to fall for something like that, yeah. you know. But um, but he just said, well, you know, just uh, send me the money and deduct the two thousand dollars. Right. <laughs> and they weren't going to do anything like that. But then he. <laughs> but then they tried. You know. And then tried I, to uh, outsmart him. Yeah. He tried. He tried yeah. to outsmart him. Right. Just send so. me nine hundred. <laughs> $98,000. Yeah, no problem. Be oh, we, can't, we can't do it that way. Yeah, that's so, not how it goes. Yeah, so then I guess he, he, uh, he, they called him again, and this is after I got on and found out that it, it was um, the Erica was Kingston, Jamaica. And they said, oh, no, no, we're not in Jamaica. And, 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 and you know, so it was just, it was, they're not even in this country. Yeah. And, you know, and it was pretty, pretty funny, but it's kind of along those same lines. Those, um, that real estate scam. I mean, I hope that we don't hear about it happening anymore. There's been some clever ones. Um, so a couple things that I want to say about that for the, from the loan transaction standpoint, I mean, first of all, your wire instructions are in the back of your title report. And oftentimes people don't realize that, but, um, you know, when you're buying a home, the escrow agent generally will give you a title report. Uh, by way of email. And by the way, escrow is now using uh, encrypted email for just about every message you get from them. And it's kind of annoying because you got to click to a secure link and verify your identity before you can download your attachment. But it's that very thing that's helping prevent some of this stuff. So your wiring instructions are in the back of your title report. And then as a kind of a, a bigger flyby of these things in general, um, escrow instructions uh, with wire information don't change at the last minute um a couple years ago fidelity changed banks they went from do you remember that dan they went from like wells fargo to bank of america or something that had to be a big shakeup for whatever big bank they left but um that was interesting because we all had for years we had the wire instructions for fidelity being another account and now they're um that it changed that was one example of a of the wire instructions changing, but it's very rare that that happens. And so when you see something like that pop up, pick up the phone and call. 
Um, and you know, real quick, I mean, I, I realize this is this is a, a mortgage and real estate show, but the cyber security and fraud thing is a big deal, and I do think it's relevant. Um, the way that this works, by the way, is these guys set up virus, basically kind of email monitoring software. And some way or other, they get onto the mail servers and they start looking for these kinds of transactions. Um, especially, I think, for you know agents that are using different types of mail. I mean, Wes, it's common, huh? You see all the real estate emails. They use, they'll use Hotmail, Gmail, Yahoo, or kind of whatever they could get to. Um, and there's, I think, varying level of security for all of those. Um, but yeah, that's how they start sort of watching. Oh, hey, here's a live one. And this is some people that are in a transaction and sending some money. Those, those same people that are crawling those mail servers looking for those transaction have also written software that's looking for your social security number. And they're looking for your address. It's looking for things, your date of birth. It's trying to find ways that it can kind of find these critical pieces to your identity. And this is why it's really important that you don't send a copy of your your you know tax returns or your credit report or something over unsecured email um, companies like ours and you know the the big companies should be using secured <clears throat> email where that stuff is stored sort of as a um, a secure link it's super encrypted on a on a web service that attaches a link to an email that only the right people can get number one it keeps it from being the content of your email being crawled for those kind of things but then also nobody in the middle can intercept it and see information they're not supposed to see so if you've done business with central coast lending you know we do that we use a service called ShareFile where we send links back and forth for you to upload or for us to give you something to download that keeps it off of the broader internet. Um, and, you know, in fact, Wes, I was going to mention at some point to you that it might be a best practice for more people to get involved in using that, especially when you hear of things like this. Because there's, it's rare, but there's a couple documents in the real estate transaction that can contain some critical information if emailed could end up in the wrong hands. Yeah, this is this is true, and it's this whole this whole conversation has caused us to take a deeper look at at what we're doing. And you know, the first step for us is we're going to be having conversations with our our clients about wiring, and we're going to ask that everybody prior to sending any wire, you call the title company, speak with your escrow officer, and confirm the wiring instructions verbally, just to ensure that we don't have this kind of fraud going on. Um, you know, there was a time when I thought these, all these phishing and, and uh, internet scams basically were just going to only capture, you know, the elderly or those, uh, uh, you know, feeble of mind for some reason. And, and because most of most of them were just kind of, you know, ridiculous and rudimentary. Like it's difficult to understand how anybody's going to send money to a Nigerian prince anymore. But the the some of these scams are so sophisticated that it's actually very easy for very intelligent people to to fall prey so i do think that it's time for kind of an, an elevated sense of security around uh, real estate transactions because of the size of the uh, of the transactions and the money the cash that can be in, involved in these things. Wes, so i remember a couple years ago where 
agents were putting listings on Craigslist for rentals or for sale, you know, like the property management stuff. And then some fraudster somewhere would copy the listing and then provide different contact information where they'd have you send the security deposit and people were firing off security deposits and trying thinking they were leasing homes but uh, giving money to somebody that wasn't even a part of that transaction yeah that was a pretty that was a pretty good scam and it got a lot of people and and what yeah so what they would do is they would list the property that was for sale using all the marketing materials, photos and such of the from the, that they basically, you know, jacked from the listing agent. And then um, they they'd post a rental listing with all the, you know, all the nice photos and everything. And then they would actually research who the owner of the property was and they would set up an email account. So let's say Jack Smith owned the property. They would set up an email account, you know, Jack Smith four six eight at Yahoo.com and that lent some level of legitimacy to it, or perceived legitimacy. And then they would uh, have folks that would call and inquire about the rental, and um, they would respond that they were actually on a trip to Europe or whatever the case may be, and that uh, you know that they thought that this tenant was a good match. And if they would send um, half of the security deposit, then the the property owner would tell them where a key was hidden, and they could gain you know access and go ahead and start moving in. And a lot of people did it. I mean, we know we know of a lot of people that, that fell prey to that one. So yeah, I think it's it's just uh, it's it's okay every once in a while to spend a little bit of time um, thinking about talking about and recognizing that these these um, scams have gotten sophisticated and and we all have to kind of keep our guard up. And you know, for the real estate agents that listen to the show, and I, I know you have a, a big population of, of agents that that listen. Um, you should be aware that in Southern California, what's happened is some of these agents have been gone after from the buyers that are losing these funds. And the buyers are claiming that the agents are liable because they failed to appropriately secure the content of their uh, email accounts and that, that they have culpability. So None of us want, first of all, any buyers to, to fall prey to this. Second of all, we don't want to be held liable for it. So I think, you know, we're we're going to have to step up the game. And Jason, as you you know, in our in our company, for example, we use Dropbox for yep. uh, for a fair number of documents sharing situations. And and frankly, you know, I think it's probably time that we took it to a, a deeper level of security because we've already had um, challenges with Dropbox. And in fact, there's a Another big scam that that's going on around the country, and this one is is big enough and successful enough that um, the FBI has fallen prey to it. Lots of law enforcement agencies around the country. Um, the the uh, pod, the relatively famous podcast, This American Life, actually did a show on it. And uh, this is a scam where hackers basically um, they get into your computer and they encrypt your hard drive, and the only way that you can decrypt it or uncrypt it so that your computer is usable again is to pay a ransom. And uh, that ransom escalates over time, and it, it has to be paid in Bitcoin. And um, our Dropbox account fell prey to this. Whoa. And, and ba- basically everything in Dropbox was encrypted by these hackers. Now, luckily, um, Dropbox is uh, good enough that they do maintain uh, a database, a separate database of backups. So we were able to uh, not pay the ransom, 
and implement backup technology to uh, to overcome the, the encryption. But uh, it took about 10 days. So, you know, we had a number of files that were tied up with, uh, with no access for about 10 days because uh, Dropbox is a relatively big company, and it, it took them a while to, to unwind this. Wes, this I, have thing. A, but, yeah. I have a question for Wes, actually, uh, because I record the shows, and not for the Mortgage Matters show, but for the Motor Mouse show, I use Dropbox to send it to their people that put it on their website. So by doing that, Wes, could I be compromising the company's computers here? Do you know? I don't really know the answer to that. I don't think just by sending it or just by the fact that you're using the Dropbox link, I don't mm -hmm. believe that, that that would inherently expose you to any any risk, but man, I, you know, I actually graduated with an information yeah. systems degree. There was a time in my life where I felt like I was pretty tech savvy, but the reality is it's all gotten away from me. Yeah. And I can't, I can't claim to be a, a expert Absolutely. anymore. It's just, it's gotten too sophisticated. So mm -hmm. I, I do think that it's, you know, it's worth uh, some thought and maybe even some professional help. Yeah. To make sure that you, know, well, and, that you yeah, don't. Yeah, and let's go back to that most basic advice that you gave, Wes. In terms of the real estate transaction, when you're asked to provide a wire, whether you, you know, and this I think is a best practice. If you're getting the information from the title report, if you're getting the information from an email, if you're getting the information from an updated email, you need to pick up the phone. Call your local escrow agent and make sure that the instruction that you have to wire this money to title are the most accurate instruction to make sure your money goes to the right place. Usually, even if you made a mistake because you just send it to the wrong place, it can usually be recovered somewhere. There's a, a good mapping system of where all this money goes, but it's a pain in the butt, and there's usually some money involved, you know, fees and canceling or returning wires. So it's just a good practice to make sure that if you're wiring money, confirm it before you do it. And then for the rest of the whole rest of the world here, be careful what you email. Be careful what you read in email. If it's concerning free money or sending a fee somewhere else, it's probably fishy and you should suspect it to be so. Um, and just be careful. Uh, there's some tricky little um, scams out there. I nearly fell for the bank one where I thought my bank emailed me and wanted me to log in through this link to confirm my secret questions. And I thought to myself, man, my mom and dad would have fallen for this in a heartbeat. It was so good. The logos were good. The web address was good. The page layout was good. And I was like, yeah, if that's true, I should be able to go directly to the website and log in my normal way and still access this information and this request. Um, and sure enough, I went there and it wasn't. So I went back to the email and that's when I discovered it had a... It was like www.chasebank, you know, where they just, there was one extra character in there that was routing it to something else that wasn't right. So just be careful. The internet is a dangerous and scary place where you could lose it all. You really could. I, don't, I hate to take us further in the weeds on this, but there's another one that I, that I recently never, nearly fell victim to uh, from Craigslist. I've got a car for sale on Craigslist and I had a, a guy started to correspond with me via email, and it started, you know, very much like any uh, interaction would with potential buyers, asking questions about the car, that it, you know, and, th and this back and forth went on for a while. It, it really started to feel legitimate, and then he asked if I had a, a, a 
you know, a title history on the car, and I told him I, that I didn't, and he said, well, I'm, a, I'm about ready to come up there, and, you know, as long as it drives well, I'll buy it from you, but would you mind just providing me a, you know, a report? And he sent a link where you could log in and, and uh, use your VIN number to basically get, you know, like a car fact. And um, I, I went onto this website, and the, the URL was something like VIN history or, or something that, you know, uh, sounded fairly legitimate. And um, it looked like a very legitimate website, you know, obtained the, your car's history. And I uh, started to go through the process of obtaining it. There was a $19 fee. I thought, well, that sounds reasonable. You go, uh, you know, to, to the purchase uh, area of the website. And I got about halfway through entering my credit card information when I thought, man, I better be careful here and I just did a quick Google search on that URL, and, you know, up came thousands of reports about that being a scam. So, you know, again, it's pretty sophisticated stuff. There, These guys have gotten really good, and, um, and just vigilance is necessary in, in, in today's world. It's anything that you're doing on the Internet, you just have to be really careful. Yep. Indeed. So I also brought for you guys just a you know a little bit of, of real estate related information. Um, I'm I'm not in front of my computer, which is uh, as you might have guessed, I'm I'm uh, I'm out on the road, which is why I couldn't be in the studio. So I don't have a lot of stats at my fingertips and such. But would you guys like to talk about the real estate market for a minute, or, or do you have a full yeah? Tip? If you could keep it quick, no, we're um, you know we like to keep the real estate part pretty minimal. But yeah, go ahead, it's yours. <laughs> The floor is yours, sir. Well, I just uh, I want to tell you that that um, what what we're seeing in the, on, on the you know on the real estate front is uh, the market's definitely heating up, which we expect um, seasonally. It's the time of year that that we do the majority of our transactions. Really, for between now and and the end of August or September is you know the most uh, the most active time from a, a market standpoint. We're definitely seeing that. But um, compared to last year, there are a few things that are, that are worth mentioning. And the first is that the level of inventory is lower than it was last year uh, by about a full point. So last year this time we had about three, a little over three months of inventory, and right now we just have a little over two, two and change. And um, that's pretty significant. We're starting to see it play out in the market dynamics. So Higher uh, prices, more, right? More and more. More and more, we're seeing multiple offers on, on properties, and we're seeing properties sell very rapidly. We took a, my company took a listing over by Cal Poly uh, last week, and uh, it was taken by one of our agents that is an appraiser, and, and I uh, always expect that she does a phenomenal job of, of pricing because of the fact that she's a licensed appraiser. And this, uh, this one came out at a price per square foot in the 592 range, and I uh, immediately started to tease her about that being too high because there were no comps to justify it, and uh, the first day that it was on the market, she got an all-cash, 10-day close, no contingency above asking price. There's now um, a backup offer formally accepted on the property, and uh, and that is uh, just an example of what's going on out there in the marketplace, so I'm just uh, giving a uh, this update in hopes that any buyers uh, that may be listening to your show recognize that it's a very competitive environment, and uh, if you if you want to get something purchased, uh, this 
summer, I suspect that you're going to have to be relatively aggressive to do so. And how about the sellers? Where are the sellers right now? No, you're almost begging us, <laughs> us property owners to come out and sell. Well, I do wish that you would, because the other thing that's going on um, with the decrease in um, in inventory is a real concern about uh, about transactions. And, it, you know, I may have said this on the show uh, a few weeks back, but the there's one thing that's really alarming about the California real estate market, and that is that right now in California, the transaction level is the same as it was 30 years ago. The population has basically doubled in that amount of time, but the number of transactions is, is the same. And that just means that people are not selling properties near as frequently as they were in the past. You know, statistically in California, that, the, the, the churn rate, the, the amount of time in which people on average held property was uh, generally uh, hovered around seven years. I think that there were times that it even got lower than that, like five and a half. Um, but right now, it's it's in the double digit, double digit. Has anybody and, has anybody attempted to say why? Well, I, I, yes, I've heard attempts at, at answering it, but I think it's speculative. Um, you know, and, and I think it's uh, um, a multitude of, of reasons. One of which I think is that in California, we're not building houses fast enough, so there's simply not enough homes to turn over. Um, I think that uh, home ownership, uh, the the value of perceived value of home ownership is eroding. I think that uh, the uh, the the uh, Y generation and the uh, Gen Xers have been accused of simply not uh, prioritizing home ownership, and I think that that's part of the equation. I think that uh, all of these things just add up to make it a, a tough landscape for buyers. And frankly, for real estate agents, I mean, we, we have nearly doubled the number of real estate agents in the state in, in this 30-year period. And, there's, uh, and so basically, there's half as much business to go around. And um, it's, isn't, it's, it a, know, create, isn't it a good thing for our communities around California, though, that people are staying longer, so they're probably more connected and caring for their property and doing, you know, can maybe just... Uh, there's got to be some upside to it. I think there there are upsides to it, but and and you know, one as a as a property owner that's not in the in the market to buy, you would certainly argue that it's good for property values, and I can get that, and and I certainly understand that part of the equation. But you know, the flip side of that is we've got affordability down in the twenty percentile, and um, that's not a good thing for communities either. You know, it's the folks that uh that wash the dishes and. and uh, and serve the communities, police force and firefighters can't afford homes, then, you know, that's that's problematic as well. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out. All the economists that, that, that we listen to and respect are, are talking about it at least another two to three years of a relatively stable, positive, appreciating market. And uh, who knows after that? But, I, you know, as uh, we, we've got an all-time, reaching an all-time low in affordability in the state and and it's just as bad or worse in San Luis County than it is anywhere else around the state. So, you know, I just don't think that that's the kind of, of thing that, that uh, is sustainable. You know, at some point, there has to be a little more uh, equanimity in the marketplace where, where you know, pe- people that, uh, that live and, and work in these communities can afford the, 
to own property. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. We don't know what the next trigger is going to be on a downturn. Um, I know that, that I kind of interrupted some of the broad economic conversation that you guys generally have, so I'll be interested after you let me go to, to hear what your thoughts are on that, if you see anything on the on the horizon that could trigger another downturn. But uh, it's definitely an interesting market dynamic, and I think we're in for a, you know, a busy um, aggressive summer. I think inventory levels are going to continue to stay low, and I think the buyers are, are on the hunt. It's a pretty competitive environment out there. Pick me up later in your time machine, and we'll go back to like 2011 and buy up everything we can. And then, uh, I don't know. Why didn't we do that, Jay? We knew darn good and well what was about to happen. And, um, I, I can tell you from my perspective, I was... Uh, I was not prepared for how fast everything turned oh, around. It really a, seemed like somebody. I was going to say I was it. still I was still broke and licking my wounds from the crash. I didn't. <laughs> dang, I just didn't have. Oh, we could have somehow just sat out for a while and then we're ready to leap. Um, just maybe next time, huh? And yeah, let me know when that next one's coming, Wes. Dan and I will talk about it too. We'll try to see if we can come up with an idea. Um, yeah. Well, you're young enough that I can guarantee you, you will live through another cycle. Well, <laughs> hey, on the next one, guess who's cleaning up, man? <laughs> all right. Well, I can't wait to see that. The trouble is you can only ever like recognize all that in, in uh, retrospect. So I need to get how I need, I don't know. I need some more like old people in my life that can point these things out because even now I can't see anything that makes me think that it's near. So that leaves me in the, the stay and hold part of the cycle, which is where you end up in the part where now you should, ah, I should have sold. So, yeah, it's that old, that old hindsight issue. I know it's tricky business. Yep. And it also makes it fun, though, right? I mean, if it was guaranteed, then everyone would be rich, and it wouldn't even be any fun to be the guy that got it right. Let's keep us on our toes. Wes, thanks a lot for uh, for phoning in today. I mean, I got to say, it's not the same without seeing your bed head with that greasy hair and that dirty visor and that pajama <laughs> shirt. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it is it's sure, your content, and, I mean, you're just such a – a knowledgeable man. It's always great to have you on. So thanks for participating with us and uh, enjoy whatever it is you are doing today. Um, and we'll uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks for giving me the time, guys. It was fun. Take care. All right. All right. That was cool. So it sounds like the real estate market's hot and scams are at an all-time high. <laughs> We're going to solve a few more of the world's problems after this quick commercial break. So stick around, take a, lend an ear to our sponsors, and we'll be back in a couple more minutes with more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. I see you at our kids' Little League games, I bump into you at the grocery store, and it's always fun when we pass each other at Farmer's Market. I'm not a national bank or a faceless website. I'm a local lender, accountable, competitive, and ready to help. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018 NMLS number 328358. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me just by switching to state farm a few hundred unexpected bucks i couldn't ask for more but now i've got to figure out what i should use it for a new bike would be radical but maybe something practical like a pet baboon with one robotic arm get to a better state state farm switch to state farm and you could save to find out more in san luis obispo call agent susan rodriguez through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. guys welcome welcome so Wes was talking a bit about how hot the market is right now and um, so we went out and looked at this house a couple weeks ago and it got into escrow this last week and I know it did because I am representing the the borrower in the transaction and one of the counter offers this is the real deal so the buyers were aware that these people had only owned this house for some period of time, like recent period of time, right? Like, I mean, a couple years. So they were like wanting the, almost wanting the seller to justify the price increase, mm. <laughs> right? So they made an offer that sort of reflected this, like, well, you didn't, you know, you don't get all of that. It's just, you just, dumb luck you owned it, you know? And so the sellers wrote back a counter offer, and this was the first time I'd seen this in a while. The sellers countered the price, and at the end of the price they counter offered, they wrote firm with big capital letters. Like, you're not, we're not negotiating with you. It's firm. Do you want it? Wow. And I couldn't help but kind of giggle a little bit because um, it's sort of, the, sort of the state of affairs right now. And the sellers know that they're a full-blown commodity. Yeah. And what used to be, well, I don't want to scare away a buyer or, you know, seem unwilling to negotiate in any way. You know, it's like, it's not just not good engagement. Um, well, I think there's some sellers out there or, man, maybe it's real estate agents giving those sellers the counsel that, you know, it's okay to be firm because you're the only guy on the, you know, in this square mile with a house for sale. 
but yeah, that's kind of the the state of it right now is the sellers are really naming it. Um, and there was another transaction that I worked on this last week. This one kind of blew my mind too. A couple called me up and wanted to get pre-qualified to buy a home. So I said, sure. And so I worked up all the numbers and said, well, you realize that you're going to have to sell your home to buy this new home. And he said, well, sure, we're going to do that. And so, and by the way, they already had a house in mind. They're, they're in their, in their car basically to go look at this new house. They're going to write an offer on. And so they called a little while later and said, we're going to need a pre-qualification letter because we're writing an offer on this new house. And so I said, okay, no problem. I can prepare that letter for you now, but I'm going to put a line in the letter that states that your current residence needs to be sold prior to this one um, closing escrow. So they said, okay, no problem. So that was like Friday, right? On Monday morning, I get the, here's the fully executed contract. We're in escrow on this house to buy. And so I said, well, great. What about that house that you need to list and sell? And they said, oh, yeah, we threw that on the market on Sunday and sold it Sunday. It's in escrow, too. Whoa. One day on a Sunday, throw something on and have it go and then also procure an accepted offer on a new house. Like, you guys are doing it right. I mean, that's some... You did some, there was some good real estate agent going on there or something, but that was, that was really impressive. I think it speaks more to the demand than anything that there's so little out there. And if you have a home that doesn't have anything funky, weird issues, you have to pass through a bedroom to get to another bedroom, kind of weird stuff. If you've got a nice, normal house that's in fairly decent condition, um, even prime for upgrades or something like that, people are willing to take on those projects. And if it's priced right, it's gone quick. It's crazy. It's there's not anything out there. I mean, two months of inventory, as Wes was stating, that's that's nothing. That's well below the. Some people are wondering what two months of inventory means, and it basically means if you're selling 30, 30 houses a month, there's sixty on the market. Yeah. So, like, if nothing new comes on, you'll be done. You'll exhaust it at the current pace within two months. Yeah, it's over. And that is very short because they say, you know, the, the powers that be say that six months is like a, a normal supply and demand type of area. We're well below that now. Yeah. 90 to 180 days is, is known as the normal marketing time. So that being said, I mean, you, you can bet your bottom dollar that when your supply is that low, your prices are going to be, I mean, your prices are going to be going through the roof. So we're doing a refi for my in-laws and they got their appraisal back this last week. They bought the home. Oh boy. I want to say it was about three years ago. 520,000 came in. The appraisal came in at 680,000. They were very surprised that it came in that high. They've done some home improvements, but nothing major, you know, just minor things here and there. Yeah. They did do a little facelift on the kitchen, but you know, like they painted the cabinets and you know, they didn't replace things and do a lot of investment, just, you know, cosmetic upgrades. Um, came in $160,000 more over the course of three years. So I kind of backed into the math. It was roughly 10 or so percent appreciation per year over three consecutive years. What part of the county is that in? It's in Los Osos. Um, so that's pretty the, good. Uh, what is that? The south side of Los Osos Valley Road. Okay. So the non-sewer the, side. Yes, exactly. That's interesting. Um, 
but again, I mean, if you go out and you look at Los Osos, go go trek around right now. You want to live in Los Osos? Go look at what's for sale today. There are very few. So when yeah. something comes on the market, it's going to fetch a premium. And and that's, I mean, that's nothing new for out there. Morro Bay is kind of the same way. You guys aren't building a bunch of new houses either. It's sort of that way around the county. Um, there is some places around the county, by the way, where stuff seems a little bit more affordable than that or at a different pace than that. In Atascadero, we keep seeing new construction being added. It's not a lot, but there's... There's new little tracks being built every here and there. Um, and and interestingly enough, those new the newer houses are are selling at a price per square foot that's a lot less than the existing homes. And I suppose it's because I don't know. I, I, I want to sort of inflect my own sentiment on it and say, well, it's not as appealing to be your your wall is 10 feet away from your neighbor's wall and your houses look exactly the same and um i feel like for me that's not as inviting but i realize that for all people that's not a yeah, bad thing some people look at that and say oh i don't have to do a lot of yard work right whatever totally yeah in fact just yesterday i was meeting with some clients and they were and that's what we were talking about i said you know what there's something to be said about the condo or that house with the homeowners association where you don't have a bunch of yard. You know, if you you work hard all week and you don't want to spend your time out in your yard on the weekend, then guess what? Don't have a yard. Because <laughs> if you have a yard, you need to go work in it or pay somebody to work in it. That's the reality of it. Mm -hmm. And your landscaper is probably about as much as your HOA bill per month. Those guys aren't getting any cheaper. I mean, if you want somebody to come out and pull your weeds and keep your property in good shape, it's a couple hundred bucks a month. So, um, but yeah, so at any rate, those houses are like a little bit more affordable when you apply some of the normal price per square foot metrics of what real estate sells for, but they're around. Um, in fact, I think, are we getting a call later or is Janine coming by? She wanted to talk about a track that she's got with some listings up in the North County that are new construction yeah. available today for sale. So, um, yeah, I think there's a little bit more going on up there, but in the in the other, you know, existing homes, those previously lived in homes, the used home market, those ones are um price per square foot seems to be going up and up and up every month. You just watch it and go, "Holy smokes." And some of them I see the listing come on and I go, "There's no way that that house is going to sell for 310 bucks a square foot." And then lo and behold, you know, a week later, 10 days later, it's in escrow and you got to wait a little while because you don't get to know what the terms are until it closes. But like, I'll watch them and I track them and then I go back in and go, holy, they got 305 a square foot for that house that I thought there's no way you're getting more than 260 for it. And so it's just, it's kind of wild just watching the prices go up, up, up. Yeah. Wes mentioned those people in the community, though, that can't afford to buy. Um, it's still a lot of normal people that are buying these homes, though. When we do home loans right now, it's a lot of normal people. Um, this last week, I mean, I had a, a Cal Poly employee, a non-teaching employee, and then a local elementary school employee. And they could buy a house together. So that was and, – and in a good spot, too. I mean, they're – it was like affordable compared to their rent and looked like a, a pretty good buy and stuff. And so I was like, 
oh, that's cool. It's kind of normal people. It's not like we had to have like two high paid lawyers or doctors to buy a house here. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're normal people buying homes. It's sometimes they have to get creative. They have to involve a, a co-signer, like a parent or, you know, brother or sister or someone like that to assist with the income qualification. We've seen that. But you know what I've, you know, the, the comment, I think Wes may have alluded to the millennials, you know, not making home ownership a priority. We hear a lot of industry news trying to provide some kind of forecast on what millennials are doing. They're the next big population that's moving through our economy. They're the big, you know, it's always been baby boomers, this and that, that they're the big force that cruises through the economy. But now they're hitting retirement age and the millennials are the next big population boom. And so there's a lot of focus on what's, what are they after? What are their trends in real estate? And a lot of it comes back at, oh, they, they don't want to be tied down to a property, you know, all this kind of thing. That's not what I see necessarily with, within my sphere of influence. What I see is millennials being very creative and resourceful. I see, I see them coming in and they, they have a parent co-sign for them. The ones that have their finances maybe a little more in order than their peers, they come in with a parent to help them buy a house and they rent out all their rooms to their friends to make it affordable. And then after a couple of years of doing that, they either turn it into a full-blown rental and do it over again with a new house, or they have moved up the ladder at their job and they can afford to refinance their parents off of it. Maybe they have a girlfriend now or, you know, those are the ones that are up. listening that are paying attention and recognize the opportunities. I pulled while you were talking, I pulled up this generational differences chart. Did you know there was such a thing? Mm -hmm. So the traditionalists, these are the 1900 to 1945 birth years, famous people from that demographic, Bob Dole and Elizabeth Taylor. The boomers, they're 1946 to 1964. Their famous people are Bill Clinton and Meryl Streep. Gen X, 65 to 80. That's Barack Obama and J-Lo. <laughs> Who picked the people for these groups? And Jason Grody and Dan Podesta. Right. The millennials <laughs> are 77 to 94. Wait a second. There's an overlap there. And 81 to 2000. So we're millennials too? You could pick whatever you want to identify with. Uh. You can use the um, generational um, identifier of your choice, not what your birth certificate says. Uh. Ashton Kutcher and Serena Williams. So maybe I'll just straddle the line like a yeah. good millennial and do whatever. So the number of people, fun. the traditionalists, the 1900 to 1945 in their population number that was left blank. Which is interesting, because if you're born in 1945, you might still be kicking. <laughs> baby boomers, <laughs> there's so. 80 million baby boomers, um, 51 million Gen Xers, and 75 million millennials. Mm. And um, yeah, so maybe we should, let's stay on Gen X, me and you, Dan, let's stay on Gen X, because they need some support. Yeah. They're only 51 million, plus I don't want to be identified with those millennials that are like not doing what they're supposed to be doing, like buying houses and these kind of things. Unless, of course, we're talking about the millennials that are like savvy and just being resourceful. Then, of course, I'll, I'll step into that ring just for that period of time. Plenty of, um, plenty of interesting stuff about these. But, yeah, it's funny. The people that are 
writing the things, I guess, that we keep opening to read, whether it's a magazine or a newspaper, or professional, um, any sort of rag that might entertain you or give you some business insight everyone's talking about the millennials that's yeah. who that's where to focus right now if you need if you need to grow your business you ought to figure out how to get a millennial to buy from you um and from what i can tell they're all over the place what these people say the deal is with the millennials oh they would buy but they don't like the down payments no they won't buy because they don't like being strapped down you know all these different different ways of sizing it up and it's like well who knows but i keep telling people um if you're a millennial or a boomer or a gen xer whatever you are um let's talk real quick about why you should buy real estate uh rent okay rent is what's the interest rate on rent yeah, and I I get the path we're going down here, and I just... It's crazy. I don't think... I mean, millennials are in their 20s right now. You know, maybe early 30s. 35. I guess, if if you're a, a cusper. It says, but, but it, it does say the current age is 8 to 27. I wonder how old this is. Let me I just, I feel like, you know, those folks aren't at the point in their life where they're totally established and ready to make that move yet. I don't know that I was at that age. I mean, I did own a house at that age, but I was, you know, it could have, it was, it could have gone either way. That's just how it worked out for me. Um, you know, there's the fresh in their mind is a real estate bubble and crash and they watch their parents lick wounds and others around them do the same. And they're just not totally established. And not everyone at the age of 25 knows exactly what they want to do in their life yet. Yeah. They have a job and they graduated from college or, you know, maybe, or maybe not, but they don't necessarily know exactly what path they're on. They've got a few different forks in the road ahead of them, and they're still kind of waiting to figure out what path they're going to land on. At some point, priorities will change for these people because it just kind of it does. As you grow up and you get established and you get entrenched in a career and you find the person you want to spend your life with and those kind of things, your priorities change and all of a sudden home ownership does and become important. And you want a cool place to put your record yeah. player. Yeah, you've had that one, you know, I'm sick of having a landlord because the last one I had was terrible. He never responded to my request. I'm he tired was just, of this. I just want to own my own place. He's just greedy and had all, yeah, all that so, stuff. So, you know, we see some millennials who are buying homes and they're doing it because they're resourceful and they want to get ahead of their peers or they just find that that's an important part of life for them is owning that home. And, you know, then there's others who that's just not a priority yet. But I think that will change for them. So I don't think there's some big difference between millennials wanting to buy real estate. I'll tell and you other what, though, if you want to get a hold of a millennial, you need to be. You got to text them. You got to text or them. Or Snapchat them. Have a <laughs> have a mobile friendly website, <laughs> right? And have a way that they can complete an entire transaction with you without needing to talk to a person. Yeah, that's a key part of um, for all of you that have some business wondering why you can't get millennials in the door. Yeah, there's a genuine you need fear a virtual of door. Contact. Yeah, you need a virtual door that you, people can text you from. Okay, we're going to uh, take this commercial break. We'll be back in a few minutes with another hour of mortgage matters, and we. We sure hope you're back too. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. 
All right, everybody, welcome back. If you're just joining us, we just had a, a whole first hour, and now we're ready for a whole second hour. You said we're going to have Janine at 10.30. Yeah, we're going to have, and she's going to come into the studio. We're going to have Janine Dunn. She's with Coldwell Banker Premier Real Estate. She's going to come in and talk to us about some new homes, I believe in Atascadero, possibly Templeton. I think it's Atascadero. Um, but she'll come in and she'll tell us more about some new units that are um, available for sale right now. You can go check them out. Um, so we'll hear more from her at the at 1030, I believe, is when she's coming in. Sweet. Um, last hour, we spent a lot of time with Wes. He's telling us about the short inventory that we have in the county. Um, about two months supply, which is well below a normal market. It's a, it's a very very dry market as far as inventory goes. Um, I saw some recent figures from the Tribune that they reported. Um, they get their data through CoreLogic, which is a big real estate data compiler. Um, and it was some statistics for March for San Luis Obispo County. What we saw in this echoes some of the comments and sentiments from Wes in, in that this is a short supply kind of market. Um, number of units sold is down uh, a little over 9% year over year, and that's just less stuff to sell, I think, is the, the reason why. Um, last year at this time, we sold 375 units in March. This last March, we only sold 341 units. <clears throat> and at the same time, the median home price rose um, about 4.5%. It was up last year. It, the median home price was 479000 and this last March... Um, just a couple of months ago was 500,000 was the median home price in the county. So those, those numbers just reinforce, um, what Wes was, was talking about. It's very little out there and it's creating demand and people are, we're seeing, you know, well-priced functional, normal homes that are getting multiple offers quickly and, um, over bids and all cash offers. It's a hot market. It's a seller's market. Wes mentioned that there was people staying that one of the current problems is that people are staying in their homes for longer than they historically do. Um, I, I kind of ask him, well, do you know why is anybody saying why we've said why on our show, we got a list of whys. Um, that I think a, a pretty prominent why is going to be, um, well, these share. If we tried to rank these in priority, I think we'd be arguing over which one had more effect. Um, but here's a good why. You have a three and a quarter interest rate loan that you got a couple years ago. It's a three and a quarter, 30 year fixed. And if you moved today, you sold your house and bought a new one for whatever reason, get in that new school district, get that extra bedroom, get rid of that extra bedroom get that acreage, lose that acreage, whatever it is you were wanting to accomplish, you're going to come out the other side with an interest rate that's higher than three and a quarter. That's just, that's it. That's what the economy is doing right now. And I don't think we're going back to three and a quarter. So there's some people that are just like, you know, whatever dissatisfier I have with my property, I really love my financing. And since it can't be duplicated, I'm just, I'm, I'm here, I'm staying put. Um, so that's a big part of it. 
And then how about this other part? Like I told Wes, oh, let's hop in your time machine. We'll go back to 2011. We'll buy these things for half price, as many as we can. We'll take, we'll, we'll hawk grandma's jewelry to be able to get more of these properties because they're all going to double in value. Well, guess what? The people that bought those in 2011 are enjoying half price property taxes right now. So that's another why. Some people can move, they can sell their home. And if you're over 55 in San Luis County and you're um, buying down in a home, like you're kind of right-sizing is the word that we use for it, where like your kids are gone, so you don't need that four-bedroom, 2,500-square-foot house anymore. So you're going to sell that house and you're going to buy a two-bedroom, two-bath home or just anything smaller, I should say. It doesn't have to be half size or anything, anything smaller. The county will let you move your property tax basis, provided that you're 55 or over. You can do it one time. So some people can move their tax base, but let's say you you bought a house in 2011, you've got a three and a quarter, 30 year fixed, and your property taxes is half what they would be if you moved around the corner. Bump that rate up to three and three quarters to the current market rate and give you a 1% tax rate on the new value of this new home. All of a sudden, you're, that upgrade just costs you five or 600 bucks a month. Um, was it worth it? You know, so that starts to get to be a lot of money. That's 6,000 bucks a year that you could have been putting into your IRA or paying your house down or funding your kid's college fund. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with six grand a year. So, and we just talked about how affordability in the state is reaching all time lows. So, people who bought in 2011 and 2012, you know, maybe they were able to buy because of the opportunity that was sure that was the yeah then, maybe but you, that's not now maybe you can't, can't even qualify yeah. right now you you don't have the income to qualify for the house that's double you can have a good down payment because when you sell your house you know you're gonna have a good down so but again if you could qualify you're you're gonna have higher interest rate and higher property taxes so those are people that are gonna stay put um who else oh i can think of another great person to stay put because this is me I'd probably move right now if I could. My primary dissatisfier with my property is that I can't get solar. I've tried and tried and tried. I had another company come out last week. I can't get solar at my house. My electric bill is over $200 a month, and I'd really like to get solar for all of the reasons. Probably not even just to save money. I'd just like to be using that renewable energy. I think it's an important thing. I really wish I could. And as a big family, we use a lot of energy. And I can't get solar, so... I'm in. If I found a property that I thought was a compelling enough reason for me to go into a loan with a higher interest rate and pay more property taxes. Um, but here's the deal. I have zero confidence at all that I can sell my house and find a suitable replacement that I'm going to be happy with because I watch the market and I go look at these houses. I drag Wes around a few times a month to take me to go look at a house here or there. Um, every time I walk out going, ah, I, I'm not confident that I could sell my house and get this house and the upgrades not enough for me. And so I stay put. So how many people have that just because of the lack of supply, the lack of available options in the market are just going, I can't sell my house right now. I'm not going to go be homeless or be a renter while I wait for the house that I'm going to ultimately have to compete for and overpay for to get. So there's some whys. Those are people that aren't going to sell. 
we build a pretty long list here. And like I said at the beginning of this little little diatribe, um, rank those in priority: interest rate, tax base, confidence in a suitable replacement. Um, which one of those is more important? Well, that's hard to argue. Those are all really important factors, and those are all significant reasons why people are choosing to stay in their home longer than they ever have before. I don't see that changing. I don't see any one of those metrics changing anytime soon because as these interest rates go up, that's only going to exacerbate that problem of the people with the low threes. Well, and I, th I think about people, they may be willing and maybe needing to move out of their home for whatever. Maybe their family unit's changing. Maybe they're moving out of the area or whatever. Sure. But the home they're departing, man, it's a, makes a great rental. The payment on it is low. Rents have gone up. There's demand for rentals as well. So yeah, I can. I want to get into a new home, but I don't want to sell my old home because that's now a great investment property for me. Yeah. So that that's you're going down, on. Out and there maybe too. your down payments wrapped up in it or something. I mean, there there's a host of reasons why people are in their homes for longer than they ever have been before. And so all of those things lead to this short supply, right? Which then leads to increase property values. And like Wes said, the homeowner people, eh, you might be happy about um, your place being worth more money, more equity, right? But is that it? I mean, are we, is that what we're all happy about is just that our, our neighborhoods are being more and more exclusive. I don't think so because, you know, as a father of kids that are like, you know, heading into their teenage years right now, I hate the idea that my kids are going to have to leave to go to the land of affordability, wherever that is. Um, I, I'd like there to be affordable options here. Um, the, and, and for now, the only the only thing I see as an option is I gotta I'm gonna have to stockpile some cash so that I can be the dad giving gift funds to the kid that so they could afford to stay in your town, keep your grandkids close to you, you know. Um, but otherwise, I mean that so that that to me is one of the major drawbacks to the runaway appreciation that we continue to have, it's just making it harder and harder for that next generation to be able to get something here. Um, and then otherwise too, what's your equity worth? And yeah, it's, like, it's, it's when not you, worth anything until you cash out. Yeah, well, so in cash outs, like you, you got to move out of state or die. <laughs> and in, in both those cases, are you gonna be just loving your new house in Las Vegas while you miss that Morro Bay breeze and view yeah. of the sunset? But hey, I got this five hundred grand in the bank because all those people made that house worth so much by over you know, overbidding each other, that's not going to mean anything to you. You'd trade it all back for your sunset, <laughs> right? The people I bought my house from way back when, 13 years ago, they took the money and went to Arkansas. <laughs> and how happy are they now? I don't know. They had family back there, so I'm sure that brought some happiness to them, but... I, I'm, yeah. Case in point, you know? <laughs> it's not necessarily where I'd... They left Land a big view, map. and now they're in a place where they, they don't have that, but they've got a bunch of money. Yeah. And, in fact, they're probably sitting right now thinking, oh, if we'd have just waited till today to sell. Sure. But they probably thought that in 2006, too, right? One of the other things that, you know, looking down the road, well, how are we going to solve this problem? Maybe we could, maybe some more houses will be built. Um you know, mortgage products could change a little bit. Well, let's talk about houses being built because we are starting to see some 
newer projects being built in our area. Um, you know, a lot in the North County, some in the, the South County and Santa Maria, Northern Santa Barbara County area. Um, nationally, when we looked, we had some readings um, for housing starts and building permits and both were up month over month, but year over year, they're both down. So when you look at them seasonally, both housing starts and permits, they're both down. And quite significantly, um, the year over year rate on housing starts, which is actually shovels in the ground, building new homes, uh, was down about was down 1.7% year over year. And permits, these are new permits being pulled um, down 7.2% year over year. So that's not great news on the horizon. Hopefully last year was just a busy year of getting new projects going, and now those are making their way through. And, and so there's a lull here, but you don't want to see in a short supply market, you don't also want to see housing starts and permits down also, because that doesn't, that doesn't look good out there. Not, not a good prospect for the future. No. Um, on the, I look, looked up the U.S. home builder sentiment because this is the one you can always look at to, to get an idea of whether the future looks bright and rosy for the builders or it looks sketchy. It's been unchanged for four months in a row now at a reading of 58 for the month of May. Um, 50 is the line between positive and negative sentiment. So, um, basically home builder sentiments just hold in steady. The challenges that they recognize are an increasing number of regulations and lot supply constraints. They can't find enough suitable land to be able to build. And when they do, then there's this, you know, regulations, all, all the concerns that kind of come along with that. And so that's the reason that the builders aren't just runaway thrilled. Um, and it takes a long time to get something through now, I think is the bigger part of that. If you tell us what the regulations are, we can conform to them. They're reasonable, right? When you make your building code or you make your zoning ordinances, all just tell us what they are. We can do it. But then you go ahead and you build something that seems like it meets the building code and the zoning ordinances and you submit it in and then you get into this like, yeah, well, you know, that's not really what we want to see. This is what we want to see. And so then you end up in, in a subjective type of tone. I think that's a lot of the problem around here locally. The sentiment I hear from builders is that it's just difficult to get through planning. Um, and it takes so long. If it takes you from the day that you commit and you buy this dirt and you hire everyone and you do everything you need to do to get plans and permits approved, if it takes you six or 12 or 18 months to make that happen, the economy can change radically in six, 12 or 18 months, as we all know. And now you might have, you know, for these builders, it's really important to get in and out quick, be able to identify a project, come up with its budget and plan, execute it as fast as you can so that you get in and out before the market has an opportunity to, to sabotage you or something, you know? And so the regulations and the lack of lot are what keeps the builders from being, um, you know, super excited about building tomorrow. So yeah, all these things point back to um, I don't see I don't see what it is where the help comes. Um, Wes asked us to to talk a little bit about what what might create a bubble, like what what might actually stop this train and send property values back down. 
I can think of a couple things. I'm reaching. I got to reach here because these aren't these aren't easy. Uh, but one, how about this? Whoever the new president is, whatever the new president, whoever that person he or she surrounds themselves with in terms of plans and all this kind of thing. What if they all get on this tear that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac just need to be busted up completely and dissolved 100% with no suitable replacement or not a good plan? It's hard for me to imagine they might actually do that because I, I like to think that the smartest people in the country that are going to end up running this place understand how critical Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are. But the average sentiment, though, doesn't... I don't think enough people understand how valuable Fannie and Freddie are in terms of these affordable, long-term fixed-rate mortgages. So if you had something regulation-wise that came in and busted up Fannie and Freddie and left us back to where local banks and regional banks are making rules about how they'd like to loan and what kind of rates they're um, expecting in order to loan that money out, that might be a mix-up. I could see that happening. Like I said, I, I hope that it's not. I hope that everybody in charge realizes how fragile that is and how what an integral part to the housing and general economy Fannie and Freddie are but I, I mean every couple of weeks you see it come up where somebody's pitching a new idea or suggesting that Fannie and Freddie should be dissolved or turned into a utility or something so I see that as one potential um, that could you know again if rates went to six seven eight percent because they had to because Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were blown up um that would change. I think that would change property value. I don't know. I, it might change the demand side. It might change, you know, who's it'll, it'll decrease the, the buyers that are out there. Some of those people won't be able to afford anymore. Um, but I think, you know, as far as creating a bubble, I mean, what really contributed to the bubble was the number, the masses of people that, decided they would stop making their mortgage payment. And I don't see that changing because the people who currently have mortgages today, m the majority of them have fixed rate mortgages. Yeah. They've put some skin in the game for the most part. There are some zero down programs out there, but, but I get some, most people have put something into the home and there's not some big change looming for their mortgage payment. I guess the person I'm talking about is that guy that's like, well, I'm not going to go out and buy today because because of how rapidly these things have appreciated that next year it's all going to be worth 10% less. How could things be worth 10% less next year? That's one of the only ways I could see. Yeah, and I but I just wouldn't call that a bubble, I guess. Sure. I could see sure. a plateauing or a slight decline in value just because the affordability equation changes. Um you know, perception in real estate in general just changes. Yeah, I think there could be a, a, a changing of, of perception of real estate that all of us, you know, at some point, median home price in our county is 500. Maybe it takes it going up to 600,000 where everyone collectively just says, whoa, this is this is a little too expensive to be around here. Maybe we've got to rethink about settling down in this area or whatever. And then that you could have some some shift in perception that way. That but then aren't you going to have those to, to just dip but not a big but bubble. then aren't you gonna have those people like you know that i was describing people like me kind of that have 
this desire maybe to move, but the biggest constraint happens to be the lack of suitable replacement homes. So once there's a little bit more available, like me going to come back out and go, okay, now I realize it's going to take me a little bit longer to sell my house, but I have some confidence that when I do, I'm going to find a replacement that I'm happy with. Yeah. So you sort of going to, you're going to expose that, that move up buyer again, that I think is, is pinched right now and feeling like there's not a, there's no, there's no real lateral, there's no movement in the market at all. If you own property, there's not even lateral confidence or move up confidence. You could, if you got in contract to sell your house, there's a good chance you would be selling and then not able to find a suitable replacement. So then you're either going to settle for something where you'd regret selling your place in the first place or, um, yeah, just choosing to rent, I guess. Hey, let's do a commercial break right here. It's 1026. We got, we got that ready, right? Big Jim. We are all ready. I just have to push the button when you say the magic words. I'm ready. I'm, I think I'm going into it a little bit early. My headphones died a minute ago. And so now I put on these studio provided headphones, which only have auto in the left ear. Uh, So I feel like I have that thing where you go on vacation and your right ear won't pop in the plane. Like you've been in the swimming pool, maybe a little too long. Yeah. So I need to solve all those problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay. We'll do it. We'll go ahead and do it. Commercial break time, folks. We'll be back in a couple minutes with more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Give yourself the best possible chance to buy your dream home with our 21-day close. We get you fully pre-approved before you find your house so you can write a shorter, easier offer and beat out the competition. It's time for you to be the offer that gets accepted. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. 
You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. It's 1030. Would you believe it? And it's already the third week of May. Kids are getting out of school soon. I can't believe it's the third week of May. Yeah. I can't, I can't believe it's almost the sixth month of the year. It's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Seems like just yesterday it was like turning the year 2000 and we were all <laughs> running to the ATM to get our money because oh, yeah. it wasn't going to work after midnight. It wasn't going to work. Yeah, you weren't even gonna be, going to die of thirst because you couldn't even get you know, like your money out of your ATM. Yeah, they're, they're, I was working here and they were worried that um, we would be off the air at midnight. You know what happened? Nothing. We just went over and started a new day on the computer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just Every, everything played. Yeah. So here we are now, like uh, cruising up on halfway through 2016. I actually wrote 2015 the other day. Whoa. And then I was like, that doesn't look right. You know what it was? Hmm. I wrote 5, 15, 16. Hmm. But I, or that's what I needed, right? I wrote 5, 15, 15, and I was like, oh, look at that. It's 5, 15. Wait, it's not 15. It's 16. Whoa, it's 5, 15, 16. Just that quick minute. That's what happened. Wow. That was a neat story. Yeah, and then I realized that. <laughs> well, Dan, what happened to you the other day? <laughs> this year. I don't know if I can beat that. <laughs> don't even try. I don't want you to have that feeling where you like got to take your ball and go home because you got because you got whipped on the court man spare yourself hey did you talk last week about the employment situation and and kind of the 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 forecast of what's going on with with interest rates we talked a little bit about the employment situation and i was sharing with our listenership that um (laughs) we were sort of being asked to reconsider whether we consider 160,000 jobs created in a month robust growth or not. (laughs) That was kind of a weird thing that came after that jobs report. Yeah. Uh, But we talked a little bit about that because we heard, and one of the things I was sharing last week was that dead uh, Doug Duncan, that um, Fanny's chief economist, he was talking about um, the feds and the rates and the kind of thing and sort of reiterating that, reiterating that sentiment of like, don't fight the feds. So we're seeing more of that lately. Like the, there's the media is starting to say that we're all sort of fighting the fed, believing that these rates have to stay low or that there's no room for them to go up or that it's not going to happen this year. And they're, they're essentially saying, oh, yeah, no, that's not that's not a thing. Um, you're just getting in your own way. And so, um, you know, I I don't know what to think. I don't know when rates are going up. The next opportunity is the end of next month, right? Yeah. There was talk, though, immediately after that May jobs report that we might not see any more rate hikes in 2016. That it just was a sign that we're treading water we're not growing like we 
should be or ought to be at this point in the recovery and that they might r really slow down the pace of of sure higher interest rates yeah um who knows i mean that's that's the interesting thing about it and when we raised interest rates for the first time in nine years or whatever it was back in december um, we were told to expect that that would happen a, a bunch of times this year and that overall that's going to push interest rates up. What we learned at the end of the, at the end of that experiment is even though the feds raised rates, mortgage interest rates went down. Um, I was sharing this several times, but when the feds hiked rates that first time back in December, the 10 year bond yield was 2.26. And at close of business yesterday was 1.71. So you want to drive mortgage interest rates down, have the feds raise interest rates. That's been the weird takeaway for 2016. And there's not a lot, there's not a lot you can even do about that. You know, speculate now, what if the feds, I was talking to a client yesterday, a friend of mine who's doing a loan with us right now. And we we're, we were talking about the feds maybe raising rates next month in June. What's that going to do? We better hurry up. Well, maybe slow down because last time they raised rates, you know, mortgage interest rates went down. So that's entirely possible. You can't take that off the table. We wouldn't have expected that before, but that's what happened. So we'll see. Who knows? I mean, it's it's fun to think and, and talk about it, but we're not, we're not entirely sure exactly what could happen. Um, one of the sentiments I read this week about the Fed's meeting said that members of the Open Market Committee judged information received since the committee met in March, indicating labor market conditions had improved even further. Growth in economic activity had appeared to be slow. Um, growth in household spending had moderated. Households' real income had risen at a solid rate, and consumer sentiment remained high. And for these reasons, kind of prepping us that next month we might see a rate hike. So we'll see. So we've gone from December of last year when the first rate hike was announced to that we were forecasting potentially three to four rate hikes over the course of this year. And now with a pretty poor May jobs report, now we're looking at possibly zero rate hikes this year. Right. And just continuing my terrible ability to prognosticate interest rates <laughs> hey <laughs> for a third consecutive year there's a i this is my vote right now this is the camp i'm in i want to see a june rate hike and i want it to do what happened last time which is drive mortgage down. interest rates down so bring it on feds take your quarter and then let us have a quarter lower mortgage interest rates be epic we'd be back to that we'd be back to that three and a half range that we've been off of for a couple years and there we go and that would help with the affordability thing. So the Fed should do their part and take that next step. Hey, we talked about it a little earlier, and the time is now. We're, we're joined by Janine Dunn. She's a realtor with, um, with Coldwell Banker Premier Real Estate. And welcome. To, thanks for taking time out of your Saturday to join us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, you are here to tell us a little bit about some new homes in the, in the county, right? Yes. There are, um, there's new homes up in Atascadero that I have the listings for. Uh, they're called Villas at Montecito. They're on Casa Bella um, in Atascadero, which is just off of Santa Rosa. And there's four homes left in the development. And they're three bedroom, three bath, 1,900 square feet on about 3,000 square foot lot. 
and so there's two plans available still in the development. There's uh, two of plan A and then two at plan A reversed. So okay. very similar. So tell me a little bit about the area of Atascadero. So Santa Rosa would be the my primary on-ramp and off-ramp. Correct. And is that at the south end? Oh, there we yes, go. We got it a map. Yes, it is on the south end. So if you got off at Santa Rosa and like turned right going towards El Camino, then it would basically be right in front of you if you could go straight, but okay. it's right behind those buildings. So it's kind of, you could go right and turn left at the next street or. How many street. units were in this project total? Ooh, originally, I believe they've already sold 19. Okay. So. And so there's only four left. Only four left. Yes. Wow. Yes. Um, and so they're about how big? Uh, 1900 square feet. 1900 square feet. I'm looking. I'm looking at your little cheat sheet here. Oh, yes. Three bedroom, three bath, <laughs> here two you go. car garage. Yes. Where, nice. where are these? In I mean, we just did that. We just did that off Santa Rosa's <laughs> exit. Off Santa Rosa, yes. For those of you that know the names of streets, that's great. But this is <laughs> <laughs> south end of Atascadero by Paloma Park. Yes, it's well, it's closer to Chalk Mountain Golf Course. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. So, I'm not. I was telling Dan the other day. I still don't know all the names of the streets oh, yeah. in downtown Slow. Like they'll say, "Well, it's off of Choro," right. and I'm like, "Come on, give me a building." <laughs> exactly. Where Where are we talking? Is where it by the Wells Fargo? Because yes. I know where that is. <laughs> I'm I'm like that too with the South County. There's some some streets that I'm like, "Where is that?" Because they're all tree names. So. Oh, okay. I know where we're talking. So are these now. these homes are complete? They're built. They're built. They're okay. ready to go. There, um, there's one model home is now this open, but they're all basically open to look at. Um, they have artesian tile, wood laminate flooring, uh, fenced rear yards, and um, they all, you know, they're basically the same except for there's a little color difference in the granite and the flooring. Um, are there HOAs? Yes, eighty dollar HOAs, which Ooh, includes, 80's not bad at all. Yeah, not bad at all. No mallow roofs, which is um, becoming. A thing, I guess, in Atascadero. Okay. So. <laughs> um, did you <laughs> say the prices of these? What are the list prices? They're listed at four seventy-five. Four seventy-five. Okay. Yes. Zillow's got it wrong, Jim. I believe that's another. That's a different house. Oh, okay, let me go back to the together. other picture then. Gotcha. <laughs> I think that was right. Now, actually, um, it does say four seventy-five right here. Yes, and they are, they're mm -hmm. all. They have a large master one. suite uh, with garden go. tub. They all have. Um, their own full bath so they're all in suites really nice looking homes yes high ceilings natural light they're i mean they're beautiful got to come check them out so cool. i wanted to i wanted to say real quick that um just a couple things first of all about uh you could buy this home technically you could use usda and do no down payment it's in an eligible area It'd be hard because it's starting to push the upper limit of the loan amount. So it's going right. to take the perfect buyer to have the right debt to income ratio, but it's possible. Um, you could do a deal um, like this with FHA, 3.5% down. Conventional loans, 3% down, 5% down, probably more realistically in terms of rate and closing costs. But you're talking about... You know, only really needing probably $20,000, you know, to put into a transaction like this to be able to buy a house like this. Um, one of the things I've been 
trying to be better at is is remembering that not everybody knows that because there's this sentiment around that, oh, well, you need 20% down payment. So we do that math on a house of this size and people are like, well, I don't have $80,000 to put down. You don't need anywhere near $80,000 down to buy a house like this. Those those opportunities exist and... um, yeah, so a, if you want to get pre-qualified or get pre-approved to buy something like this, obviously give us a call, but it sounds like you could go today and go take a look at it. Definitely. I'll be there from 12 to 4 today, and I'll be there tomorrow from 1 to 3. Oh, open yes. houses. Yes, open houses. Cool. We're pretty much open all the time. Uh, the superintendent's usually there. I'm there usually about four days a week. I have some helpers that come out, too, so... Yes. So usually they're open. You can come check them out anytime. And we are cooperating with buyer's agents. Um, and for the month of May, we are running a promo uh, for washer and dryers included. And um, wow. they are uh, they are willing to cover 4000 of the closing costs. Oh, that's so, cool. Who is the builder? The Terry Flatley is the builder. Okay. Yes. And then there's some investors from that are involved in the project. Okay. Cool. Well, they're great looking homes. Thank you. Yes, I think so. Is that the dining room there? Yes. Showing? I'm looking at some of the pictures of the interior. Pretty nice, actually. Yeah. Yes, yeah, really nice. And they just uh, put in a little patio area in the back back of the model home, which is really nice because it kind of gives you a feel of what you can do back there with barbecue and what have you. I like the island that's in the kitchen there. The yes, bar. it's kind beautiful for entertaining. What is a f- family flex suite? Is that just like a second master suite? Yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, they're all, like I said, they're all in suites, so you can pretty much. So um, the three bedroom, three bath, they're all, they all en suite, on bedroom, bath. That's correct. so cool. Yes, yeah, it's oh, really nice. nice. And that main, uh, the main floor, because it is tri-level, so you walk in from the garage and you go upstairs, and then that main floor has the living room, dining room, kitchen, and it does have a bedroom and laundry. So you could utilize just that level, and then there's two more bedrooms upstairs, and technically the master's upstairs, but that downstairs room is large enough and has a shower. Tri-level, so it's like the split level. You go up half a flight of stairs. And Correct, That's yes. cool. That's what my house is. I really like it because... Yes. Even though you're on different levels of the home, you still kind of are connected to all the levels. Right, exactly. I think it's, yes. I think it's a neat way to live. <laughs> I like it, too, because if you have kids, too, I mean, you put the kids upstairs and you yeah. kind of have your own space. And well, that's assuming one part they'll of... stay put, which yes. doesn't happen. <laughs> it doesn't usually happen, <laughs> yes. You guys have a Facebook page. Yes, we do. I was going to say, I, w- I don't believe it. This probably isn't true unless it's on Facebook, and then I found it on Facebook, so now I know it's true. <laughs> it's Facebook official. Yes. Yeah, this, I mean, it looks beautiful. And we do have a website, too. It's uh, just villas at Montecito.com. So you can check All that spelled out. out, villas at Montecito.com. Montecito.com. Yes. Okay, cool. Um, how can someone get a hold of you if they want more information, maybe by phone? Yes, my phone number is 805-904-9965. You can get me anytime on that. And um, you can also visit my website at uh, Realtor, and that's J-E-N-N-I-N-E-D-U-N-N-E. And um, so that's the best way to get a hold of me. If you miss that because you're driving and you can't record it, you can call us uh, anytime 
at our company, we have all the information on how to get a hold of Janine. But it sounds like the best thing you could do is just to keep driving and yes. go check out the open house today. <laughs> Definitely. Um, or tomorrow, too. You guys are open again tomorrow. Yes. Is that close enough to the golf course that somebody could, like, drive their golf cart to the golf course? Probably, yes. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go, if I if I would do it, but <laughs> <laughs> it is it is very close to the golf course. So yeah, the superintendent awesome. is quite often um, at the golf course if he's not <laughs> at the properties. <laughs> you know where to find it. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> cool. It's nice. Well, thanks so much for coming in today yes. and pitching it. early. I don't know if you were listening, but earlier in the show we were talking about how kind of cutthroat the real estate market has been lately. It's especially difficult in parts of the county where new construction isn't happening right so it is really nice to see places in the county where there are new homes being built and creates an opportunity that you know otherwise is, in most cases doesn't exist right exactly so that's the and those are affordable when you do the math too when you're getting something with granite and recessed lighting and all these the the modern appeals of this a look at price per square foot of what's out there in the existing home market they're priced really well yes they are yes so you're, you're talking about you can buy an older home and put more money into it or you can buy something that's turnkey and you know have it all dialed up yeah ready for you so so these are working out to about two 250 a square foot what's the norm what's the median in a Tascadero? I mean, I, I follow know, you know. a Tascadero really well because I live there and work there and I have a lot of clients there. 260, 270, 280 yes. is yeah. pretty normal. And when you see, like if you took an existing home with these quality finishes, you're talking 300, maybe even 310 a square foot. So to see something like this coming to market for 250 a foot, that's a perfect opportunity for somebody that's trying to scratch into some, what really is, I mean... This sounds crazy, I think, to say, but this is sort of the entry-level housing now of right. a Tascadero. It definitely is. A yeah. couple years ago, you could buy things in the low, you know, high threes, low fours. That's that's getting harder and harder to do. So now you're talking about being able to get something that's brand new, turnkey with great finishes for two fifty a square foot. It feels like a pretty good value. And correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you're talking about rentals. I mean, rentals are going in a Tascadero for what, like a, a dollar thirty-seven square foot. So you know, a dollar fifty. Yeah. So you know, you're talking about what you're going to spend and payment for it's rental. Very close. You could, it's very close to what you could just do to get to own your own property. And by the time you go figure out the tax savings that you're going to get, and then Absolutely. and then of course, I started to beg Dan into this earlier, but he didn't he didn't play with me. <laughs> um, rent is 100% interest. <laughs> yes. And um, owning a home, obviously, there's some cost to it and some greater responsibility, but it's it's really Really, I think one of the biggest things is having a little bit con more control over tomorrow. Right. And those, for first-time home buyers, those of you that are renting, thinking something like this might just be right out of reach, the first couple years are hard as you make that adjustment where it's a few, you know, 500 or maybe $1,000 more than the rent you're paying. Those first two or three years are tough. But then after that, what you begin to realize is that real estate values have kind of exceeded where you got in and rents have now kind of caught up to where you currently are and you start to look around and go okay you know i got this and it yeah those there's an adjustment period i think for everyone definitely um but once you're in there it's all the difference in the world and um you know obviously buying a home isn't the right fit for everyone but for something like this where you're looking at um 
I mean, we just came off of tax time. So those people that paid yeah. too much taxes and like, oh, the accountant says I should buy a house, um, right. you know, kind of start to look at this stuff and see how it might affect you. And by the way, that's something that we like to do in our pre-approval process, too, is talk a little bit about what the deductible items are in your home purchase. So then you could kind of see how that would change your take-home pay and or your getting a refund or making a big payment every April. Um, and it just makes it more affordable um, than you really realize. So comparing your Excellent. rent number to your actual mortgage number isn't quite the right calculation. There's a little kind of difference in between those two that makes the the spread even less than it appears. And so, um, yeah, if you guys want to check it out, drop by the open house, see what you can you know, see if you like it, if it's a good fit for you, and then come see us and let us figure out if we can get you pre-approved for it. Um, just might be getting a free washer and dryer out of it, huh? Exactly. There we go. <laughs> All right. You can check right. it out. It's villas at Montecito.com is the website. Open house today from... 12 to 4. And tomorrow? 1 to 3. All right. Yes, and I will be there next weekend as well, Saturday from 12 to 4. Okay. So. And you're there during the week? Yes. Wow. You just as, yes. might as well as move much, in. I huh? know. As much as possible. <laughs> I right. should. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Thank thanks you, for Janine. the pop by. All right. Um, one more time. Janine Dunn is with Coldwell Banker Premier Real Estate. You can call her directly at 805-904-9965. 805-904-9965. Cool. Those are nice. Nice new homes. Yeah. Um... VA loan, if you happen to be a vet, 100% financing, um, worth yeah. looking into. Conventional loans now, um, very low down payments. In some cases, there's programs you can qualify for that have even reduced mortgage insurance, making it even more affordable than what some of the calculators might show you when you get in and crunch the numbers. So. You know, and again, if if it's not this house, but you're ready to get pre-approved and want to start to look at what what it would mean to own something like this, um, those are the clients that we like to work with. Even times people say, "Well, I know I'm I'm not ready today." That's fine. Come on in. Even though you're not ready today, we can get you on a path where you'll be ready in a year or two or three. Um, we're still going to be in business in a year or two or three. And so, you know, just like a farmer planting a crop, we're always trying to get those people on that path and get ready so that we have something to do in a year or two or three. Um, and during that period, you could understand um, how to be working on your credit, what you need to be doing with your income and assets and, you know, kind of just getting yourself in the best possible spot to be able to buy something. So we always like to get people early and get you pre-approved. Yeah. Plus it's good to get yourself educated on the market pricing and stuff. And you'll quickly realize that this, um, 250 a square foot for brand new construction in a beautiful part of Atascadero is about as good as it gets in this county. Well, I mean, when <laughs> we were talking earlier in the show, I was telling you that that seems to be the price point that these kind of homes are pricing at lately. And it's fascinating to me because that's below the market. If you go out yeah. and price Atascadero, it's not 250 a foot. I mean, you're, you might be able to find yourself like total fixer uppers at 250 a foot or that behemoth home. That's also out of date, but just has got a lot of square foot being counted in there. But I'm talking like your average, you know, 17, 1800 square foot house at 250 a square foot. Those are really difficult to come by. So um, let me be the skeptical listener here. 
what am I sacrificing? But, you know, builders aren't generally in building for philanthropy. So um, why am I getting a below market deal? Well, I look at these homes and, yeah, you know, they might not be on a big lot. You know, they have a smaller lot. You're paying HOA. So there's another, you know, if I were to make pros and cons, that might fall in the con. Sure. For me, maybe someone else is like, hey, I don't want to deal with the maintenance and stuff. I'm sure. happy to pay an HOA. So for someone else, it's a pro. Um, those are a couple of the things I see as I look at these homes. But overall, I see value. I see quality um and i see newness if if those are things that are important to you these are some yeah that new house smell yeah that's what i was gonna say is that you that's there's something about that and i i mean i've never owned a never before lived in home um but everything you do in that house i mean that it's you you're the first guy put when you hang that first picture that's the first nail going into one of those walls so you kind of you know what you got Dan, you were gonna, you were kind of talking about pros and cons. One of the things that I was gonna say is that in today's litigious environment, these builders are building with, um, they have some builder like warranties that they have to keep up, and there's some, I think, some confidence being put in there that you know this is a home that's being built to the current codes and standards. If that's not enough for you, you're also buying a home that's up to current codes and standards in terms of uh, environmental, you know, those, the windows are not going to be those old drafty windows that you're going to want to replace if you bought another home. The walls and the insulation, all these things are, the the fixtures are low flow in there. It's all, it's all sort the of. The landscaping's drought tolerant. Yeah. It's, you know, it's up to date yeah. with what it takes to build a house today. And that's what you're buying. And um you know like i said for some people this type of house is perfectly appealing for some people it's not uh but i think for everybody in that housing market there in atascadero it's nice to have some listings for sale um that are affordable they're an appropriate price per square foot it makes it a good value of what else is in the market so and that is a great area that's you said it was near that paloma park yeah, it's it's a couple miles. So basically, the Tascadero State Hospital is going to be in between those two. Okay. So this is down, um, yeah, where Chalk Mountain Golf Course is, which is ultimately where Chalk Mountain Gas Station is. That gas station there that's always barbecuing out front, and they got oh, okay. like a um, little kind of corner store there. But um, yeah, it's a it's nice. One of the other things about that part of a Tascadero that I do like is it's got easy freeway access. So if you're commuting down to slow. Um, sometimes some of the more affordable things in Atascadero are the ones that are like way on the north side or way on the west side where like you got to get off the freeway now and drive for 12 minutes. And I know, uh, God forbid, you got a 12 minutes off the freeway <laughs> drive. But when you're coming from slow, it's kind of like you get into Atascadero. It's nice to be home. Like hop right off the freeway and you're a minute off the freeway. You don't have to go all the way to north Atascadero. You don't have to go all the way off into some back roads and through some you know, bumpy roads to get up there. It's like centrally located right there. Um, and then of course, a couple miles away, there's, and, and I doubt maybe it is not even two miles away, but that's where like the new, um, smart and final and, you know, there's grocery stores and the other things that you need around there. I, for one, am excited about the path that a task on as a community. 
they're adding a lot of cool things like little shops and restaurants and buildings and they're trying to rezone some things and make it a little bit more retail business friendly in specific parts but the Tascadero's come a long way even in the last 10 years with the what was the redevelopment district of that highway 41 corridor and then right there that downtown corridor but there's a lot of like new looking buildings including the the redoing of the carlton and all that um it's sort of coming along it's not just this little podunky bedroom community anymore um we've also had a couple of um you know there's a walmart that's supposedly going in but they built a brand new hotel um and there's some talk now that it's starting to kind of perhaps be the under recognized part of the county where um people might be coming to you know vacation and stuff and so that's an interesting thing um but yeah as a as a whole i'm excited about the energy that's going on in atascadero what's being built there and um the the steps towards moving this into um a, like i said not just that sort of bedroomy community um pretty exciting stuff I gave the shout out earlier to you guys about getting pre-qualified, get pre-approved if there's something that you want to buy or maybe even just refinance your house. There's various reasons why you might reach out to us. Um, we'd love to hear from you. 543 Loan rings all of our offices around the county. That's 543-5626. Um, we're doing all of the loans, so purchase and refinance, but we got those government loans if you need to do a VA loan. Um, by the way, um, we had a, a, a transaction this week that was put together for a borrower that was doing 100% cash out refinance. Did you know that you could do that? Um, in this particular case, it was to um, get the get some debt consolidation done, and on the VA loan program, you can do 100% loan to value um on a refi so all the different programs anything that you need if you have questions or concerns maybe you just want to kind of do a checkup on what you've got right now and whether or not you're in the right product um reach out to us at 543 loan 543-5626 otherwise go find us on the web we got the program write-up stuff there's some cool stuff about rates you can look at the mortgage calculators kind of craft your budget and figure out um, you know, what you might be able to afford if you're feeling gun shy to just call. Um, also want to remind you guys, drop by and see Janine Dunn um, up there at Tascadero, the villas at Montecito. Um, they are, well, if you're on route, you probably just want to give her a call, 904-9965 and get the directions there. But uh, thanks so much for being with us today, guys. Thanks for listening. Call us this week if we can help you at 543-LOAN. We'll be back next week with another live episode of Mortgage Matters.